Let's go, let's go, Leila. We are learning Leila Nishmas, my mother, Imi Marasi, Necha, Bas, Chaim Bas, Chaim Zedel. We are learning Leila Nishmas, the Kadoshim, Arachinu Kol Beis Yisrael, those who have fallen, whose lives have been taken from us since October 7th. And we are learning Rizichus of our Chayalim. They should be victorious very soon to eradicate the evil of Hamas and all of our enemies from our midst, Bikarov. Okay, we're on Chaf Beis Amid Aleph. We're on 22A, the second medium-sized line. We're up to uh, the first one, actually, at the end, the two dots. The next part of the Mishnah said, That any day which has Musaf but doesn't have a Yantif, and it's not a Yantif, you read for Alios. So now the Gemara asks, And by the way, that was talking about Chol HaMoed and Rosh Chodesh. Now, the Gemara asks, Tainas Tzibor Bekama. What about a public fast day? How many aliyos are you supposed to read on that day? Rosh Chodesh and Moed di'ika karbon musaf arba. So Rosh Chodesh and Moed and Chol Moed. We have a carbon musaf, so you have four. Aval hacha the lake a carbon musaf low. But when it comes to here, that being a tiny zebra where there isn't an extra carbon, there's no carbon musaf so low, then you wouldn't have four aliyos, just three. Oh, Dilmar, perhaps hacha nami ika musaf tefila. But perhaps maybe there is a musaf. We do add something in the tefillah. We have a name. We have an extra bracha in the tefillah. So maybe you should have four. Okay, so that's the question. Time to see where it's half four or not. So Tashima. So come and learn. Right, the Mishnah said, on Rosh Chodesh and Chola Moed, you're supposed to read four. So that implies that on a fast day, it's three. However, the first part of the mission said, that on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos afternoon, we read three. So now you would have to apply that would maybe imply that is four, meaning you can use the seifa to prove that is three. You can use the reisha to prove that it's four. So the Gemara says, from this, from the Mishnah, we, we can't imply anything. We don't have an answer. So let's give another shot at this. So Toshima, come and learn. Rav So Rav, he visited Bavel during a public fast day. So he got up, stood up to get an aliyah. He read from the Torah. So he gets up, he starts with a bracha before the reading, but he concluded, he concluded, he didn't say a bracha afterwards. Okay. Then the story continues. So then the rest of the Tibor, they all fell to their faces to say the Tachanun, and Rav did not fall on his face. Okay. So now let's try and analyze this. So Michti, let's see. Rav be Yisrael Kara. So Rav, we're assuming he got the Aliyah of Yisrael. Right, he got a Yisrael. So my time, Chasam Velo Barich. So what's the reason why he finished his reading but didn't say a bracha at the end? Is it not because they needed to call up another person after him to say that there's a fourth aliyah on a tiny seaboard? So you have Rav read Yisrael. He didn't end with a bracha, implying that there had to be another aliyah, that being a fourth. So the Gemara says, Lo, Rav Bekanekra. No, Rav, he read, he got he got the Kohen, he got the first aliyah. To Rav Huna Kari Bekani, because Rav Huna as well, he would 
he would also get Kohen. Now, even though they weren't Kohanim, still they were so prominent that they were given Kohen. So you can't prove anything. That's why he didn't conclude with the bracha, because he got Kohen. Okay. So now, Bishlam or Ravuna. So, okay, so now, okay, Ravuna got Kohen as well. So the Gemara says, I understand Ravuna, Kari Bekane, that he would read Kohen even though he wasn't a Kohen. The Hafilu Rav Ami of Rav Asi, because even Rav Ami and Rav Asi, the Chahani Chashive, Dardi is Israel. Because even Rav Ami and Rav Asi, who were the prominent Kohanim in Eretz Yisrael, Mikav Kaifu, they were subordinate. They, in a way, forfeited their status of Kohen to get Rishon to give it to Rav Huna. Kaifu Lei, La Rav Huna, they were subordinate to Rav Huna. Ela Rav, but Rav, Ha'ika Shmuel, the Kahana Have, Vedavar Aleha. But Rav, there was Shmuel. And Shmuel was a Kohen. And even Rav kind of elevated Shmuel to be above him in status and give him kavod. So maybe with Ravuna, it makes sense that he would take the first aliyah. But by Rav, he has Shmuel to take the first aliyah as a Kohen. So the Gemara says, no, Shmuel, nami michav Rav. The truth is, Shmuel was also sub, you know, subordinate when it came to Rav. He was on a, a lower level of Hashivas to Rav. But what would happen? But Rav wanted to give Shmuel proper kavod, proper respect. And that was when they were next to each other, with each other. But when he's not in front of Shmuel, he wouldn't give him that kavod, meaning Rav could be open to getting Kohen if Shmuel wasn't there. And then And it also makes sense to say that Rav, in this particular case, did get Kohen. He got the first Eliyah. Why? Because if you would say that he got Yisroel, so my time of Baruch. So then, if you were to say that he got Yisroel, then when he got up to read, why did he say a bracha beforehand? Right? Because we've been saying that it used to be that the first Aliyah would say the first bracha, then all the Aliyos would just read, and then the last Aliyah would say the last bracha. So if Rav got anything but Kohen, why would he say the bracha before and not say the bracha afterwards? Why would he even say the bracha before? So the Gemara says, no, it's la'achar takana. It's after the takana, right? The takana that we learned about, that they made a takana, that from that point forward, everyone is going to say a bracha before and after because of the people that either come late or leave early. And they would assume that, oh my gosh, depending on when they come or when they leave, they'll think, oh, there's not a bracha before, there's not a bracha after the Torah. Therefore, the takana said, every Aliyah says a bracha before and after. So now the question is this, if that be the case that this story happened after the Takana, then so then after the reading of Rav, he should have also said the bracha. Why does it say they said bracha before, not after? If it's after the Takana, ah, so shiny hecha de Yasiv Rav, the Maya So the Gemara says it's different here regarding Rav, where Rav sits or when Rav stands, when Rav is there. Why? To Mile Aile, because they'll come, they'll come to Shul. Maybe they'll come late to Shul. However, Mifak Lo Nafke, we're up to Chaf Bezamabez, but Mifak Lo Nafke, people will not leave. Once Rav is in the Shul, maybe they'll come late. Okay, but they're not going to leave early. And since they're not going to leave early, they're definitely going to stick around for the next Aliyah. So Rav knew that whoever is there is not leaving early. Therefore, I don't have to say the bracha afterwards. So it's interesting how. <clears throat> Even within the Takana, the Gemara is suggesting that there are exceptions to the rule within the Takana, such as people like Rav. Okay. So, based on this story, we don't have a proof for a Taina Seymour if there's maybe four aliyahs or just three aliyahs, because Rav, as we concluded, 
he gets Kohane in this particular case. Okay, so now, but the truth is now that, let's see, the truth is, if you say it's after Takana, he, he still could have gotten Yisrael. Okay, he still could have gotten Yisrael, but it sounds like from the story, no, that he probably took Kohane. Okay, so now, but we don't have a good proof. So Tashima, come and learn. We still want to try and answer this question. We're on Chaf Beis Amud Beis. So Tashima, come and learn. Zaklal, this is the rule. Okay, so there's a rule here that whenever you have a bitl malacha, that it would be a burden for people to not do their work because it's a day that you could do work. So whenever you have bitl malacha by them davening, you know, any any minutes that are taken, they would they would be um, taking away from their work. Uh, for example, on a public fast day or on Tisha B'av, which technically is permitted to work, especially by Tisha B'av when it's the minute of the place to work. And that's, I guess, what we're referring to in this b'risa. So Korin Gimel, you always read three aliyahs. V'she'embo bitam malacha la'am, but when there's no bitam malacha for the people, could go in Rosh Yechadash and Mechol Shlomoed, like on Rosh Chodesh and Cholomoed, when you're not supposed to be working, then Korin Dalet, then you read four aliyahs. Shema so learn from here. That what it, it seems like it says that's straightforward. Tainus Sibor and Tishabov when people are still working, and then you only read three aliyahs. Okay. However, I'm Ravashi, but Ravashi says, Lotana, but didn't we not learn in the Mishnah? Hachi, in this Mishnah that we have, Zaklal, this is the rule. Kol Yom Shieshbo Musaf Veino Yom Tov Arba. We had the rule that whenever there's a day that you have a Musaf, and you don't, and it's not a yant if you read four. So that rule, Zaklal, what was it coming to include? Because we already said Cholamoid and Rosh Chodesh. So what's it coming to include? Lav Lasuya, was it not in coming to include a Tainus Seawar with Tishabov? Isn't it coming to include Tainus Seawar and Tishabov? Where, yes, you do have some type of additive within the Tefili of Anenu, and on Tishabov, you even have uh, something else as well, the, the Nachim and stuff, even though it's not a bracha. So. Actually, you know, I think it, it might be its own bracha for that particular day. So in such a case, maybe that's what the Mishnah is including by Zahaklal. And therefore, it should also have four aliyos. Okay, so uh, we're out now. So even though that price that we originally had seemed to categorize Tainas Sibor and Tisha B'av as only three aliyos, what Rashi is saying based on our Mishnah, it seems like it's including Tisha B'av and Tainas Sibor to be four aliyos. Okay, so Ularav Ashi, now we ask though, Ularav Ashi, who just said this, according to Rav Ashi, who just said that, yes, on a Tainas Sibor, you're going to have four aliyas based on the Zahaklal of our Mishnah, Masnisin Mamis, Masnisin Mani, so who is our Mishnah like? Lo Tanakama, below Rabbi Yossi. It's not like the Tanakama, it's not like Rabbi Yossi. Who is he referring to? The Tanya, so it was taught in a Brisa. We're going to see what the Tanakama says and Rabbi Yossi. The Brisa says, Chalios Besheni Vachamishi, if Tishabav falls out on a Monday or a Thursday, Korin Gimel, Maftir Echad, you read three aliyahs, and Maftir is one of them, meaning the last aliyah reads the Maftir as well. <clears throat> However, Bishlishi Uravi, but if it falls out on a Tuesday or Wednesday, then Kore Echad, Maftir Echad, then apparently the Tanakhama is saying you only have one aliyah, and that one aliyah is going to read the Maftir as well. Wow. That's interesting because we've already established the rule that whenever you have Kriyasa Torah, then you always need three. Okay, interesting, interesting opinion. However, Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi says, no matter what day it falls out on, no matter what day Tisha falls out on, you're always going to read three aliyahs. And yes, the third aliyah, he will be the one 
who reads the Maftir. So you see clearly the Tanakhama and Rabbi Yossi, they both agree that there at least is not four Aliyos. So what's going on here? Ve'elakashya zehaklal. So it seems like there's a question on this uh, this part of our mission where it says zehaklal because zehaklal, according to Ravashi, seem to be implying that it includes um, uh, Tainas Sibor and Tishabav to have four Aliyas, but clearly we don't have a Tana which would agree to that. So it seems like it's a question. Zahaklal is a question. So we have to kind of redefine what is a Zahaklal. So we say low. So no, the Zahaklal is not coming to include a Taina Sibor and Tishabav. Apparently those two days, those days are going to only have three Aliyahs like that Bryce in the beginning of Hafez Amabez did mention. However, what is the Zahaklal coming to include? It's Lasuya Rosh Chodesh Moed. It's coming to include Rosh Chodesh and Cholam Moed. But the problem is this, but we said in the Mishnah straight out, right before the Zahakla, we said, we learned in the Mishnah, we said, Rosh Chodesh and Moed, you read four. So the Zahakla, why would that be referring to Rosh Chodesh and Chol Moed if it literally said on Rosh Chodesh and Chol Moed, you read four? So the Gemara says like this, the truth is, the Zehakla is not actually coming to include a different type of case, but rather it's a mnemonic. It's coming to hint to something in general when it comes to how many aliyahs are for specific days, which is this. You're not, so in order, you shouldn't say that a yantiv and cholamoid should be treated the same way with regarding, because they have both a level of kedusha, they should be treated the same way. Rather, they shouldn't be treated the same way. Rather, take this klal, the klal of the Mishnah in your hands, which is teaching us this. This is what the klal is teaching us. Not that it's including an extra type of case, but rather this is what it's coming to, to teach us. That kol the tafile milsa mechavre tfele gavri yasera. Something that has more of a milsa from its friend, Mechavre, Tfele Gavri You add to it an extra person, an extra aliyah, an extra gavra, Hilkach, therefore. So taking that rule, that's the rule. Whenever it has something additive to the day, you add an extra aliyah. So therefore, Barosh Chodesh Moed, Deika Karbon Musaf. So therefore, when you have Rosh Chodesh Moed, is what the is what the rule was saying. We have Rosh Chodesh Moed, Deika Karbon Musaf. Where it's, you have a carbon musaf, but you don't have a yantav, right? You have carbon musaf, current arba. So you read four arba, you read four. Okay, and then be yom tov. Now, on yantav, to us, where you have the additive thing on yantav of that you're not allowed to do work, then chamisha, then you have five aliyas. Ah, and then be yom kippur. Then on yom kippur, the anush karis, where the punishment is very severe. You get karis for violating, right? The not to eat, and the other five inuyim of the day, you get a punishment of kares. Therefore, you add an extra aliyah, you get shisha. That's why you have six aliyahs on Yom Kippur. It's the only day of the year where you have six aliyahs. And then, last but not least, Shabbos, Deika, Yisr, Skila, Shiva, and Shabbos, where you have the prohibition of, where, where when you violate the Shabbos, you have a punishment of Skila being stoned, which is a more severe punishment, at least regarding this, than kares. And you have Shiva, you have an extra thing, so you have an extra aliyah, you have seven Right, so that's why the Klal is telling us that when it has more to the day, you add an extra aliyah to that particular day. Okay, it's either four, then it's five to Yom Tif, then it's six to Yom Kippur, then it's seven to Shabbos. Okay, beautiful. 
So that is that. And it seems like from the Moscona, yes, a tiny sea where you only have three alias, which is how we follow. Okay, Gufa. So according to the source, we're getting back to that story of Rav. Rav Ikl Bavel, Tainas Sibor. So Rav, he right. The story was that he visited Bavel on a fast day. Come Kara Besifra, right? He got up and he read from the Sefer Torah. Pasach Barich Chasam Barich. He he opened. He started to read with a bracha, but he, and he ended without a bracha. And then Niful Kule Ama An Payu Rav Lonafal Al Ampe. And then we had the part of the story where everyone fell on their faces to say Tachanun, whereas Rav did not fall on his face. So my time of Rav Lonafil Al Ampe. Why was it that Rav did not fall on his face? So the answer, the first answer it gives is Ritzba Shalav Vanim It was a floor of stone. Vetanya, we learned in a brisa, quoting the pasuk in Vayikra, Perichav Vav Pasuk Aleph, Ve'Even Mashchis, this chiseled out stone. Lo Titenu Ba'artzachem Lishtachavosle. You shouldn't put it, shouldn't place it in your land to bow down upon it. So we learn Alea on it, Iata Mishtachav Ba'artzachem. On this stone floor, you are not allowed to uh, bow down to it in your land. But you are allowed to bow down on the stones with, which are in the base Hamigdash. Kedeula, like the opinion of Ula, the Amar Ula, as Ula said, Lo Asra Torah Ella Ritzba Shelavanim Bilvad, that the Torah did not prohibit except for to bow down except for on a stone floor that is the that is the prohibition any other time before you could bow down so now okay in the base of english you could bow down on a stone floor but any other place even a base like an essence you can't bow down on a stone floor so that's why rob didn't bow down okay very important halacha so if that be the case so my ira rab afilu kulo kulo nami. So then, if that be the case, you can't bow down on a stone floor. Why are we singling out rab? The whole entire people, the whole entire tzibur should not be bowing down. Why was it that they bowed down? So the answer is kame derab habe. It was because the stone part of the floor was only in front of rab, but everyone else just had, I guess, ground or some type of uh, carpeting stuff like that. So that's why you might recognize that on Yom Kippur, people usually put like a paper towel down. Or they put uh, their, you know, another type of towel or cloth down to so when they bow down, they are not going to bow down on if it is a stone floor. Okay, Velezel. So Kamadarafai. So then the Gemara says, so Velezel Legabe Tzibura Vilinpol Al Ape. So I don't understand if he's the only one in front of the stone floor. Why doesn't he go to where the rest of the Tzibur is and he'll bow down there? So lo tzibor. The answer is he didn't want a bird in the seaboard to make them move. Maybe they'll feel like they have to stand up at that point when he gets there. So he didn't want to burn them. So he just stayed in his place. That's one answer. Another answer is Rav Pishut Yadam Raglam Have So Rav, he had a different practice. He actually would, when he would bow down, he would prostrate himself entirely, spreading out his hands and his feet. And like Ula said, Ula said, Lo Asra Torah Ella Pishut Yadam Raglam Bilvad that when we talk about not bowing down on a stone floor, the Torah only prohibits to not bow down with with really spreading out, prostrating yourself entirely with your hands and your feet. Whereas, so it could very well be that, yes, everything was stone floor, but everyone else was just bowing on their knees. That's one thing. But Rav would bow down on and prostrate in his entire body. That is where the prohibition lies. So then the Gemara asks, So why doesn't Rav just fall on his face in this regard and not prostrate himself entirely by spreading out his hands and his feet? 
So the Gemara answers, Lo No, he didn't want to change his minhag. Okay, it's very important. He didn't want to change his minhag. And for that reason, since he knew that the way he would do things and there was only a stone floor in front of him, so he couldn't even do anything because he didn't want to change his minhag. To just fall on his face would be against what he would, what he practiced and we're not asking or he, he's not willing to do such a thing. Okay, that was the second answer. A third answer is, shiny. The truth is, a very prominent person, an important person such as Rav, it's different. Could the Rebbe El Azar, like Rebbe El Azar, the Rebbe El Azar, as Rebbe El Azar said, that a very important, prominent person is not a fall on their face. Meaning, so, okay, even just on his face, he's not allowed to fall on his face, a prominent person. Unless he knows that he's going to be answered, his tefillah will be answered, like Yoshua ben Nun. As it writes in Yoshua, Paragzayim Pasuk Yud, as Hashem said to Yoshua, go, get up. I guess that, yes, your tefillahs will be answered. So, uh, in a prominent person where so much is, is relied upon his tefillahs, he shouldn't be in front of other people. Um, fall on his face to Tachnun unless he knows for sure that his tefillahs will be answered at that moment, and it's not healthy to take such chances as that. So therefore, he didn't it, when he was around other people. He did not fall on his face during Tachnun. Okay, so those are three different answers that one can give as to why Rav did not fall on his face. There, either it was because he was only in front of the stone floor, or it's because every, the, it was it was. It, the whole place was a stone floor, but he didn't bow down because he did Pishit Daim Raglayim and prostrated himself. Or it's that, listen, he's an Adam Chashuv, and an Adam Chashuv generally does not bow down when he's around other people unless he knows he's going to be answered like Yoshua Benun. And the truth is, how are you supposed to know that? Okay. Tanar Rabban, the rabbi's taught. Now we're defining different ways of bowing down. So, Kida Alapai. So, the word Kida is used to express that a person bows down upon their face. Their face touches the ground. Shnemar, as it says in Malachim Aleph, Parak Aleph. It says, That Batsheva, she bowed down her face on the land, on the ground, or right on the land, on the earth. So you see that her face was the thing that bowed down, that it touched the ground. Kriya al birkaim, when you, when you, Kriya is when a person bow, bows down on their knees. And similarly, it says as well in Melachim Aleph, Paraches, Pasuk Nun Dalit, it says, that kneeling upon one's knees. Okay. Then And now, this is a bowing down that where a person prostrates themselves and spreads out their hands and their feet. As it says, this is in Bereshis, Paraklam and Zion, Pasuk Yud. This is when Yaakov responds to Yosef. Yosef dreams that everyone's going to bow down to him. So Yaakov says, Havon, Avo, is it is it indeed going to come that Ani, Ve'amecha, Ve'imecha, that I and your mother, Achecha and your brothers, Eshtachavoslecha Arza, are going to bow down to you upon the land, on the ground? Also, you see that the Eshtachava was that they were going to prostrate themselves. Like saying, is that really true? You're going to think that we're going to do that to you? Okay, so then continuing, so Levi Achve Kida Kameh the Rebbe. So Levi, he wanted to demonstrate what Kida was in front of Rebbe. Apparently, this is like he he wanted to show Rebbe how it was done in the base of Migdash. It was some way of how they would bend down uh, and and put all the weight on their thumbs. But what the problem, what happened was when he was showing this to Rebbe, he eat like he became lame. He like really hurt his uh his hip, and he couldn't walk after he try to demonstrate what Kida was. So now the Gemara asks, So v'haka gramale? It was this what caused Levi to become lame? V'ha'ama Rabbi Elazar. But didn't Rabbi Elazar say, adam davarim mala? 
that a person should never be yatiach, like to fling up, to just throw and, you know, in a disrespectful way, words towards klape mal, towards Hashem. Shahari Adam Gadol, because a great person, he tiach devarim klape mala. Apparently he like did this way of just like throwing words up to a Kaddish Baruch in a dis- disrespectful way. V'itlan, he became lame. Umanu, and who was this? It was Levi. So we see that Levi became lame, not because of the demonstration of Kida, but because of how he was disrespectful and how he would speak to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So the Gemara answers, no, havaha gramale. The truth is both of them caused it. Meaning, once he was yatiach, his words to Hashem, so then it was like open, the punishment was open, and therefore when he did this episode of demonstrating Kida, that's what caused him to become lame. But it was both of them together which caused him to become lame. Okay. Now, Amar of Chia Bar Abin. Rav Chia Bar Abin says, Chazina lehu Rava. So I saw that both Abai and Rava, now we're on Chav Gimel Amar Alev, de Matzle Atzluya, that they would, and generally Matzle means to, to pray, to daven, but they would like bend in a certain way on their, and Rashi says on their sides when they would daven, but they wouldn't fall on their face, Mamish. I guess we're talking once again about Tachanun. Why? Because once again, Abai and Rava are considered Adam Chashuv, and in the presence of other people, they're not supposed to just bow down on their face like everyone else is doing. So it sounds like from the conclusion of this Gemara, it does seem like it, what's it implying that maybe the third answer about how, why didn't Rav bow is because of Adam Chashuv, because we see that other Adam, uh, other Amoraim who were very Chashuv, they as well didn't bow down on their face. Okay, we will stop here, Yasher. Koach.